0: So our scripture reading in our text this afternoon comes from paul 's uh, letter to the Galatians Galatians chapter four, the verses six and seven. but we will read uh, some of the preceding verses uh, It's a little bit different than what is in your bulletin. we'll start reading from chapter three verse twenty six chapter three verse twenty six through to chapter four verse seven and Paul has written this letter to the Galatian churches because there have been these false teachers that have infiltrated the churches there called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers have been teaching the Galatian Christians that Jesus Christ is not enough for your salvation. You've got to do some things to, to help your salvation along. And in other words, you need to do good works in order to earn your salvation. And Paul spends much of this letter telling the Galatians that, no, we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, and he's just spent much time doing that in chapters 2 and 3, and then we come to the next stage in his argument and teaching, and because we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ alone, we're also God's children. So let us start reading from Galatians 3, verse 26. Hear the word of God. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ... Have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards. "'until the time appointed by the Father. "'Even so, we, when we were were children, "'were in bondage under the elements of the world. "'But when the fullness of the time had come, "'God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, "'born under the law, "'to redeem those who were under the law, "'that we might receive the adoption as sons. "'And because you are sons,' God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It's those last two verses, verses 6 and 7, that are our text for this afternoon. Following the sermon, we'll sing from... Hymn 48, Him 48, stanzas 1 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how would a loving mum feel if her son asked, how do I know that you're really my mum? Or what would a loving father think if his daughter asked him, what do I have to do in order to call you dad? I think both parents would be shocked and a little hurt, and they would respond saying something like, don't you know I'm your mum? Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know you're my daughter? Of course you can call me dad. But as Christians, sometimes we can think these kinds of questions about God. We can wonder whether He really is the loving Father that He says He is, or we can think that somehow we might have to earn His love. It's a little too good to be true. But in our text this afternoon, God wants us to know for 100% that He is our loving Father and we are His children And He wants us to live out our lives in this certain knowledge of His fatherly love for us. So this afternoon, we want to see that God assures us that we are no longer slaves, but adopted sons and daughters. We want to see three things about our adoption. Firstly, the reason for our adoption. Secondly, the guarantee of our adoption. And finally, the benefits of our adoption. And Paul begins in our text by saying, because you are sons, those who believe in Christ are called God's sons and daughters. But how has this come about? How is it that Paul can say to the Galatians that they are the sons and daughters of God? The answer to this lies in the two preceding verses of our text, verses 4 and 5. Where Paul writes, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. At the appointed time, that first Christmas long ago, the Son of God came into the world. He was born of a woman. And this means that he became human. He was made like, well, like one of us. But why? Why was he made like one of us? Was that really necessary for him to be a human? Well, yes, it was because, as a human, Christ was also born under the law. He was born under the expectation that he had to, to live righteously before God. Maybe an illustration will help us understand this a little better. Someone who is born to Canadian parents automatically takes on the status of being a Canadian. That child then becomes subject to the laws of Canada, just like their parents. In a similar way, the Lord Jesus, when He was born of a human mother, he took on her status as a human being who was subject to God's law, to live according to that law. And this meant that as a human being, and especially as a Jew, Christ was required to live obediently, perfectly according to the law. And Jesus, he's the only one who's ever done this. He lived in perfect obedience to the law. But Christ also did more than this, because He actually took the curse of the law, the curse that was on us because of our disobedience to God upon Himself. As a human being, Christ could bear our sin in our place. And so in his death, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us from being trapped in our sin and being destined for eternal death. And isn't this forgiveness a wonderful truth? Sometimes we become so familiar with these basic doctrines. But they are incredible, aren't they? But what's even more amazing is that God's plan of redemption Well, it includes more than forgiveness. Because Christ suffered and died so that we can live in a new relationship with God. And not just any relationship, a family relationship. Christ saved us, as we read in verse 5, that we might be the sons and daughters of God. Now, someone might understand the adoption of a very cute child with dimples, clean clothes and brushed hair, but what about a child who is covered in dirt, a child who smells, who even screams that they don't want to be adopted, a child who would prefer to live in the the squalor and the dirt of the filthy slum? Well, that's what we were like, wasn't it? covered in the filthiness of our sin. So we need to realize that there is nothing in us that deserves God's love. But, but God did not spare His own Son. Christ came down to earth and He chose to live in the dirt. He chose to live in the filth of the slum so that we could live free as adopted children of God. And this, this is why Paul begins our text in verse 6 by saying, because you are sons. This is our, our new relationship with God. We are his children and he is our father. And Paul, he needs to emphasise this truth to the Galatians. They need to be reminded that they, through Christ, are the children of God. And why do they need that reminder? Well, because of these Judaizers, these false teachers. Because they've been telling the Galatians that they're saved because of their works. They've been telling the Galatians, that well, your relationship with God, it's, it's based on you following the traditions and the laws of Moses. It's by being obedient to all those Old Testament regulations. That's how you know you're saved. But Paul says that this thinking is foolish. For Paul's argument in the letter of Galatians up to this point is that we're saved by faith in Jesus alone. Only faith in Jesus, the Son of God, can save. Only Jesus Christ can set people free truly. And Jesus has saved us for a reason. He saved us to be God's children. And isn't that amazing for all of us this afternoon God wanted more than to save you from your sin. He wanted to be your father. He wanted to set you free so that you could be his child. This is who you are. If, If you believe in Jesus, well, then you are a child of God, a child by his free grace. How it must grieve God then when we act as if we have to earn our adoption. This was the problem in the Galatian churches. They were thinking now that they had to to follow certain rules so that they could be seen as God's children. But you know, this same danger exists for us as well, doesn't it? We can quickly fall into the same trap. Happens very easily. We can think, well, as long as I'm doing well in my faith life, when I'm being a good Christian, when I'm checking all those boxes, well, then everything is good between God and I. When I'm a, a good, strong Christian, that's when I can call God my Father. This is a wrong attitude. There is nothing in us that deserves God's love or our adoption. We cannot earn our sonship. No, it's gifted to us because of Christ. In Christ, God has made us His children before there was anything worthy in us to love. And this is our hope. This is is what defines us, that our Father, He He chose us. And He ensures that we know His love. He ensures that, that we know that He is our good Father. And He does this by sending us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our adoption. That's the second part of our adoption we want to look at now. For Paul has more to say in verse Verse 6, he says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit here is called the Spirit of God's Son. That's a bit of an unusual phrase. Why is that? This is actually an important name for the Holy Spirit, for it reminds us that The same Spirit who is at work in us is the same Spirit who worked in Jesus, the Spirit who guided and and led Jesus in His relationship with the Father for the duration of the time that that Jesus was on earth. And so what Paul is, is saying here is that this same Holy Spirit, He is now at work in us, he has been sent by God the Father on a special mission. He has a special task. And what is the Spirit's task? To assure us that we are children of God. Just like your birth certificate is a guarantee of your identity, your birth certificate guarantees what your name is and who your parents are. And in a similar way, the Spirit is our guarantee that we are God's children. But how how does the Spirit do this? How is He our guarantee? Well, it's because the Spirit cries out. The Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And this cry, it's a, a continual cry, but it's also a bold cry. By crying out, the Holy Spirit acknowledges for us, on our behalf, that we really are God's children. So, the Spirit assures us that we can call God Father, that we can address Him, the Creator of the world, the Holy One, as we saw this morning. We can even address the Holy One so intimately. Paul says in another letter in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are children of God. But why these words, Abba, Father? Well, abba is is the Aramaic word for father, and it's a personal and familial term. It's the word that a child of any age would use to address their father, a young child but also an an adult child. And so it's a word of intimacy, but it's also a word of respect. And isn't it remarkable then when we think of that, that, that God wants us, sinful human beings, to call... Him by that name. For what does it mean that we can call God Father? Well, it means that that God wants to live in a relationship with us. When Jesus was on earth, this was the name that He used for His heavenly Father. He called God Abba And Jesus, of course, had every right to call God Abba because he was God's only begotten son. But now, just like Jesus, we also can call God Abba. So real is our adoption. And again, the Galatians need a reminder of this. Because the Galatians have, have the wrong idea about their relationship with God. Those false teachers have been telling the Galatians to think God of God more like an employer than a father. Hey, Galatians, you, you have to earn your inheritance. You, you need to keep the laws and, and the traditions of the Jews. This is how you know that God loves you. These Judaizers don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't want to talk about the war, war, work that He's doing. The work of faith, of, of renewing the Galatians' hearts and, and transforming them. And so Paul is, is reminding the Galatians in our text of the work of, of Christ. Paul is saying to the Galatians, Hey, Galatians, you are saved. You are made right with God because of Jesus. And because of His work, you have been adopted as children of God. It's got nothing to do with you. And because of Christ, God has sent His Spirit into your hearts to to assure you that you are God's children. It's all God's love and, and grace. This assurance is not up to you to work out. No, it's worked in you. It's worked in you by the Spirit of Christ Himself. Well, what does this mean for us then this afternoon? Why do we need a reminder of our adoption? Well, because we can so quickly doubt that we are God's children. Sometimes we doubt that we're God's children because we see our sin. And we see how we fail to live up to God's standards and we, and we wonder, how, how can God love a sinner like me? Doesn't He see my sin? Doesn't He know how, how filthy I am? I'm not good enough to be God's child. Or sometimes we can doubt God's fatherly love for us because of the trials that we face. When we're sick, or when our lives are filled with pain, when we experience broken relationships, well then we can wonder, how how can God be my loving father? I don't feel his loving care right now. How can I really be his child? But congregation, the reality and the, the certainty of God's fatherly love for us, it does not depend on us. It doesn't depend on how we measure up to God or whether we feel like we are his children. No, our adoption is certain because of Jesus Christ. Christ, the obedient and the faithful Son of God, He took the curse for my unfaithfulness, for my sinfulness and disobedience in my place. And so God holds the adoption papers, adoption papers signed with the blood of Jesus, His Son, And the Holy Spirit, He is the guarantee of this adoption. He seals these adoption papers. So certain is our adoption. The Spirit of God is then at work in all those who believe in Jesus. Yeah, also in in you. Even in those moments of of deep despair, those moments of deep temptation, temptation. Of deep doubt. Even in these moments when, when we can't cry out, when we can't even form words on our lips to speak to God, even in these moments the Spirit shouts out, it cries out to God on our behalf, Abba, Father, Father, I know I am your child, Father, please help me. The Spirit assures us through the Word of God, that our Father is a loving and caring Father. But For some of us who have had earthly fathers and mothers that have hurt us, this truth about God as a father can be difficult to hear. But God sends all of us His Spirit to assure us that He is a good, And a loving father. He is greater. He is better. He is more loving than any earthly father could ever be. And because he is our father. We are not only his children. But we are also his heirs. Heirs who share in all his benefits. That's the last part of our adoption. That we want to look at this afternoon. So we want to go on to verse 7. And Paul says, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son then an heir of God through Christ. Paul says that we are no longer slaves. And a slave in the ancient world was subject to the complete authority of their master. They could be sold by their master They were ordered about by their master, even whipped by their masters. They could only do what their masters told them to do. And so Paul is is saying to us here that humanity was enslaved in a similar way. But enslaved to who? Paul has spent much time in his letter speaking about how God's law shows human slavery to sin human slavery to death and to Satan. We could never get away from our sins by ourselves. We could, we could never free ourselves from it. We're always trying to find a way to be right with God and, and never getting anywhere. But, Paul says, but you are slaves no longer because Christ has come. Because Christ was born, because he lived, because he suffered, died and rose again, you are free. And you're not only free, you're sons and daughters of God. And so what Paul is saying to the Galatians and to us is that you're no longer slaves, Galatians, so stop thinking and acting like slaves. Stop trying to earn your salvation by, by following rules and, and traditions. In Christ, you are the children of God and this means that you're also God's heirs, heirs that share in all Christ's benefits. See, in ancient Rome, a person was often adopted for this very reason. They were adopted so that childless parents could have an heir and even very famous Roman emperors adopted sons that could succeed them. And these adopted sons would not only inherit um, all the emperor's property, but, but the throne of the empire itself. And this is what Paul now wants the Galatians to realize. While the Judaizers have been telling the Galatians that they have to earn their inheritance, Paul Paul is showing them how ridiculous this thinking is. Does a child have to earn their inheritance? The answer, of course, is no. Well, says Paul, you are sons and daughters in Christ freely by grace, and and if you are sons and daughters, then you are heirs. And what does it mean to be an heir? Well, it means to share in an inheritance, doesn't it? And you know, the Bible is full of talk about inheritance. Already in the Old Testament, there was this promise to Abraham that his people would inherit the land of Canaan. And in the time of Moses, the law was given to show the people how they they could enjoy that inheritance that was given to them. So the rich truth of sharing an inheritance with that comes from God, is found throughout Scripture. But what does inheritance mean in the New Testament? What does it mean for us to be heirs? Well, here in the New Testament, we see the promised inheritance given to Abraham reach its glorious fulfillment. For to be an heir means that we share in all the benefits of Christ. Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is our co-heir. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 17. Christ, our elder brother, he shares all the wonderful inheritance that he has received with us. All that is Christ as the Son of God, we also share as the adopted Children of God. And what benefits are these? Well, Christ's many gifts. And there's so many, isn't there? In Him, we have eternal life. In Him, we have the promise of the resurrection from the dead. In Him, we have complete salvation. With Him, we will will reign forever. We share this all together as, as the family of God. And knowing this, knowing that you're a child of God, congregation, it dramatically changes your life, doesn't it? Or at least it should. If you're a child and an heir, well then it means you need to live like a child and an heir. This means on the one hand that you're not trying to earn your inheritance but on the other it means that you're not trying to spurn your inheritance either. It means that you don't delight in living in sin in rebelling against your father. And it means that those sins that you secretly hold on to that you really don't want to give up well they're displeasing to your Father. And so when we realize that we're, we're children and heirs of God, we want to fight those sins. We want to get rid of them out of our life in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we think of the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son, a very well-known parable in Luke 15, where well, Jesus speaks here about two types of sons, doesn't he? One thought that he could squander the inheritance and the love of his father through worldly living. The other thought that his father was unjust in, in not recognizing how long and how faithfully he had been serving his father. This son thought that he should have received the same treatment as the, as the wayward son. But both brothers failed to see the love of their father, didn't they? Both failed to see that they had an inheritance freely, lovingly given to them. Well, don't make the same mistake as the two brothers. You are called to live as a child of God. And this means that you want to please your father. It means that you want to live your life to serve and glorify him. perhaps some of you are sitting here this afternoon who do not believe in Jesus or don't know Him. Then I urge you to consider who you are missing out on. Or rather, what as well you are missing out on. Being a child and an heir of God. Having a loving and faithful father made so through the work of Jesus Christ. God's goodness and love really is beyond our understanding, isn't it? All along, God's plan was not only that Christ would save us from our sins. His plan was to adopt us as his children. To live in relationship with us once again. To make us his heirs. Our Father doesn't leave us in any doubt about who we are. He's also given us the spirit of his Son. To assure us that He is our Father and we are His children. And all of this is freely given because of Christ. Because of the love that He had for sinners like me and like you. Oh, what a Father we have. Amen.